All right, blockaders, you know what time it is. It's time to sit down with the man, the myth, the legend himself after a high day of clamming, Mr. Robin Vote. Let's sit back, relax, and make the jump into a galaxy far, far away. Man, rumor has it that galaxy's even out far past Dorchester. Yo, hey guys, welcome to Make the Jump Podcast. Of course, here from your friends at the BrickCityBlockade.com podcast network. This is a really, really cool episode because, of course, sitting in New Hampshire alongside myself is the man, the voice of the podcast network. You hear his deep, burly voice all the time at those intros. It's Mr. James Brown. James, how's it going today, my friend? Not bad, man. I think that might actually be the first time anybody has ever described my, vo- my voice as sounding burly. Hey, you know you. what? Hey, you know what? It's there's a there's a first for everything here on the podcast network, and you may not ever hear it from me again until a panel or whatever else. But of course, sitting on the west coast is the blockader himself and a good friend of ours, Mister Stephen Stanton. Stephen, how's it going this morning, my friend? It's been a interesting time out in LA. You guys have been a little chilly, a little rainy, everything. Hey, hey guys, it's going pretty good. Yeah, um, it's a little unseasonably uh, rainy and cool here in Los Angeles, but uh, nothing like uh, what I'm sure you guys are experiencing in New Hampshire. Oh, yes. Yes, I got indeed. bright sun outside my window. <laughs> it's always, hey, James, can I say this too? With your name too, it's always a bright, sunshiny day. The name James Brown. Thanks, buddy. I'm, I uh, think you right, right. your artist mix, uh, your artist mix up there. But this morning, I, I did, I, I did get up, get on up, get up, get on up. Oh, that's important. That's really important. Yeah. Was, so, yeah. so James, I I've, I've had the opportunity to talk to Stephen, of course, with Mr. Brian Fontaine when we had the first time to, to sit down and really chat about stuff. But this is your first time actually uh, talking with Mr. Stephen Stanton himself. I know you yourself, you love Star Wars Rebels. You're a big fan of Clone Wars and everything. I'm gonna let you kick this off. I'm gonna let you start this off, man. Now, first, Mr. Stanton, Steve, if I may, um, it is an absolute honor to actually talk to you. Uh, talk to you. Uh, well, face to face is a bit of a bit of a stretch at this point, um, but you get what I mean here. Um, I've I've always been uh, always been a big fan. I loved I loved uh, I loved some of the work that you did with the Star Wars Rebels and the Star Wars Clone Wars. And uh, me being me and being a massive, uh, massive fan of uh, a voice acting field and wanting to at some point break into that field myself, time allowing and kids allowing and all that fun stuff. Um, I got I got to ask you, man, what what how how did you first break into it? What kind of what kind of kicked you off? Wow, that's uh, I'm not sure we have enough time to go all the way back to the (laughs) (laughs) one of those things that. you know, like a lot of people, in, got interested in it uh, a long time ago when I was a kid because I was fascinated by animation, you know. So there was a lot of uh, me trying out uh, trying out different voices along the way while I was a kid and then uh, volunteering to, to narrate um, projects in film school and being around uh, in working in production and being in the right place at the right time. And once again, you know, like volunteering my services to sometimes for free, sometimes for very little money, mm. uh, just kind of building on it, building on it from there. So it's been a, you know, it's been a many, many years of, uh, of work and trial and error and, um, you know, to kind of get to where I am today. Well, trial and error is often the best way to accomplish something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, that's nothing but the truth for sure. And 
Stephen, what's, what's been great too is, and we've been able to see this as Star Wars fans across the board here, is just your progression as a voice actor as well and the different roles you've been able to take on. And, and let me just say this. With Star Wars Resistance now being out there, now I was somebody personally who it took a little bit of time to get into Star Wars Resistance, but now I'm into it. And the one character, of course, you voice it is is Griff Halloran. And every time I see that character pop up, I'm like, this has got Steven Stanton written all over it. It, it is it's one of those characters that I absolutely latch on to. And for you per personally, what what has it been like to to portray a character like Griff Halloran? Because he's such a he's really what I would say is the animated character that nobody talks about, but everybody does talk about behind the scenes, at least amongst a lot of the Star Wars fans and Star Wars Resistance fans that I've talked to. What has that experience been like for you? Well, he's one of the things that I liked about him uh, when I was offered the role was uh, finding out who exactly he was. Now, I know a little bit more about Griff. Of course. And the audience does actually a lot more about Griff. But one <laughs> of the, the things that's, that's fun, really fun about him is how he connects back to the original trilogy, being an ex, uh, you know, has all that TIE fight, uh, fighter pilot gear, mm. and, uh, having a ship that's got pieces of the old, uh, you know, the old uh, fighters from the uh, from the OT. So yeah, mm. he's got, uh, he's got an interesting past, and he's just it's interesting how he fits in with everybody, you know, from yeah. the, in the period that he is. Nobody really holds that against him, you mm. know. Oh, he used to do this or whatever. They know he's kind of a he's kind of a grumpy old uh, <laughs> bit of badass there, but uh, right. He's, he's a lot of fun to portray. You guys are going to get to know him a little better in uh, season two. Oh, that's awesome. That's exactly Sweet what I love deal. to hear. That's exactly what I love to hear. It, and you know what's interesting, James, is I, I I know you yourself too, being a a somebody who's trying to break into the voice acting world. You know. Um, it's it's those different ranges of characters that you get to portray and the different range of characters that you get to work on. And Steven, I know for you, you've, you've had a various range of different characters. I see you across social media all the time. You're here, you're there. Dutch tells me all the time. It's like, yeah, Steven's, Steven's running around and stuff. So James, I mean, it's it, Steven really has such a broad range that he's working with. And I know you've had experiences practicing and working on things. It, it must be fascinating. I'm just saying Ooh. that as somebody who's not necessarily a voice actor too. It, de it definitely is, and and here here's the thing is, uh, you know, um, Steve, I, I I went through and I, I looked at your uh, your IMDb page because I have a, I have a tendency to do that, um, because I'm I'm one of those obnoxious people halfway through a movie I'll pause the movie and be like I know that guy from somewhere, where do I know him from? Everybody, hold on, we're gonna stop the movie until I figure out who the heck this guy is. And Robin, what is that one fandom that I love more than Star Wars? Right, Warhammer. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Mr. Stanton did a voice for a video game a little while ago mm. uh, called uh, Warhammer 40k Space Marine. Correct me if I'm wrong on this one. And um, that was actually the first the first time that I ever saw the name Stephen Stanton on a screen. And I think my favorite thing that you've done to date is the uh, the ad narrations for Disjointed. Oh. <laughs> Which is a, a fantastically hilarious show. And um, I think that, that, and that that's kind of what got me first, like, hold on, Steve Stanton, where have I seen that name before? All right, outside of Star Wars, you've done a lot of stuff, man. And that it, it is incredibly varied. And I think that's incredibly impressive, man. So, yeah, it is de definitely about what you can do with your voice and being able to be versatile and not just being a one-trick pony, I guess. 
Well, thank you. You know the uh, the ads that you're talking about from Disjointed, the Cush, the the bank yeah. feed, which was they were a parody of the uh, the Coors ads. Um, we did those very differently than uh, normal voiceover jobs. Uh, those were done actually live on the set of that sitcom. Really? Um, which happens occasionally there, when we're doing when you're doing a situation comedy like I did um, some voiceover uh, for uh, another sitcom. It's not on the air anymore. It was on TV land, I believe. It's called Kirsty. It was Kirsty Alley. She had a show. And uh, yeah. when you in this in that case, there's a live audience there. So you know, and I was supposed to be announcing the Tony Awards on television. So you have to be aware of like, okay, this. You have to stop because another another actor is make has a line that's mm-hmm. you know commenting on what's being on TV, and you also have to wait for the audience reaction, whether they laugh or clap or whatever. And in the case of Disjointed, what they were doing was they wanted to have these uh, commercials filmed, so when the live uh, when the uh, the audience came in, they could show the uh, show these commercials to the audience mm-hmm. uh, while they were filming the show. So in that one. Uh, Cush ad with the cowboys on the horses. Mm. They actually brought horses onto the stage on a blue. Oh, wow. Jesus. I know everybody was everybody was kind of amazed because I don't think anybody aside from the production crew knew that that was happening. So they opened the sound stage doors. In comes these two horses. They put them on a stage in front of the sagebrush. And then they take with the the boom mic that they're, you know, recording all the actors with, and they put it down in front of me and I stand about 12 feet away from the the actors and they act it out and I narrate the thing but the problem was the horses kept misbehaving and trying to eat the sagebrush and uh, you know the guy fell off the horse uh, you know it didn't work out the first couple times they did it so we probably recorded that about a half a dozen times (laughs) they're trying to get everything under control it was especially having live animals that's always kind of a uh, a tricky thing because they just want to do what they want to do, but yeah, very, very different than uh, a normal voiceover. Where ordinarily, what they would do is we'd either just record it in the booth and they would take the, uh, you know, the sound, uh, the sound that we recorded and lay it on the picture, or they'd have the picture already cut and right. we'd have to watch it and then record to the picture. But this was done a very unique way. Wow. That's, that's us. That's awesome. Actually, I can, I can, I can imagine the pandemonium that <laughs> Yeah, the whole yeah. idea of having having live animals on set. I mean, that's that's a throwback kind of thing, too. It's like, hey, we're just gonna bring them out here. We're gonna see how it goes, too. And uh, that's a that's a really cool experience. And I'm glad you bring that up, James, too, because it's fascinating. I, I've been talking with a lot of um, other people that I know. Um, who have been who work behind the scenes, work on advertisements, work on more more specifically in the marketing world, and it's fascinating because when it comes to voiceover, and Stephen, I don't know how you feel about this, but personally, I feel that sometimes the voice actor doesn't always get the credit they deserve, uh, and that's just how I feel about it. Um, and it's fascinating when talking with them, they say, oh, you know what? We, we couldn't do this without the voice actors. We couldn't do this without the people who come in and do the voiceover work and are able to project the message. And just talking, I, I mean, even with my own father, who was in marketing for over 40 years, he's always told me, he said, you know what? I always developed the plan, but he said, I was never able to put the commercial out until I put got the right voice behind it. So 
Steven, I'm going to ask you this question because it's one I've I've kind of thought about a lot more recently and seeing you, of course, in the studio, all the great big smile pictures you always put up there. I'm like, ah, Steven's doing exactly what he's supposed to be doing right behind that microphone, having a lot of fun. So let me ask you, in particular, what has been one of your best voice acting or voiceover experiences that you have had up to this date? God, there's tons of them. I mean, oh, I bet the 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 list 151 credits in IMDb. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think the probably the most fulfilling one that I've ever done was uh, voice matching Roger Ebert for the wow. uh, documentary Life itself. I mean, there was just so much about that, you know, that was just having been a fan of his for so many years growing up, you know, in Florida and watching him and Gene Siskel on TV and then uh, just being part of a film that was just, you know, so, so poignant and just it was just a wonderful project. And Steve James, the director, who the direct documenting film director did Hoop Dreams. It was great getting to work with him and mm-hmm. going to Sundance and meeting Chaz Ebert. And, you know, there was just so much about that job that was just a wonderful experience. That was truly one of those once in a lifetime gigs. So yeah, for that sure. should be moved to the top of my two watch list. Yeah, it's a good film. I mean, it's uh, it's hard. It's hard to get through. I mean, because there's a lot of, you know, there was a lot of tragedy in Roger's life. But, um, you know, yeah, that's true. We, we had to keep it a secret for uh, wow for a long time. But um, that's that's been sitting on my watch list for a good long time now. Um, unfortunately, with uh, with the job that I have and everything else, I haven't had time to sit down and actually watch it. But uh, with your recommendation, I think that I'll move right up to the top there. Yeah. And it's you know, it's a, it, the the uh, the movie is is kind of like. I don't want to say it's an extension, but it uh, mm-hmm. it takes its cue from the the book that Roger wrote called uh, Life Itself, which was about wow. you know his life. So it takes a lot of the scenes from there, and then it extrapolates on those, and then you know it um, and then it takes into ha- it takes into account what's happening in his life right now when the film was being made. I mean, he passed away before it was finished, which is one of the reasons that uh, you know that I was called in. But uh, right. it was. Uh, it's a great film. I'm glad to be a part of it. Yeah, no, the, those are such great experiences, too, that you can just kind of add up over time and reflect on and whatever else. James, do you have any other questions here for Stephen? Yeah, actually, I want to go completely contrast to that. And I, I'd like to know what your worst voice acting experience of all time is. <laughs> hey, you know, I I don't know because there, there's usually... I mean, sometimes you'll have, especially in the, in the commercial world, you'll have... Um, creatives that don't get along they don't have they may have competing visions and sometimes you're stuck in the middle well somebody wants to do it this way and somebody else wants to do it that way so you're getting direction from more than one people and person and and sometimes you're being brought in multiple times you know for the same job because someone else says no I want to do it this way you know in those instances you're just kind of like you just kind of roll with the flow I'm pretty easy going I mean I've been with mm-hmm. some that you know, directors, uh, you know, that have gotten a little hot under the collar, but I don't take it personal. It's, if you do, you're in the wrong business, you know, it's just, right. it's just part and parcel of like, uh, of the, uh, of the job. Like uh, you were saying, Robin, uh, the commercial end of things, you know, marketing, it's a very different world from animation and feature films, television. There's a lot of money at stake. Uh, there's, you know, they're trying to please the client, 
you can, sometimes you can be in that booth for hours trying to get a 30 yeah. second spot done because eh, we this we want it this way or they want it that way. But yeah. that's the world of commercials. I mean, it's never going to change. I don't think yeah. so. You know, most most of the time when I go into commercial recordings, I already know what's ahead of me and I'm right. mentally prepared. So I don't get upset when those things happen. I'm usually more overjoyed and surprised when things like that just kind of like, oh, wow, this was a great session. And, you know, wow. we, didn't, uh, we didn't have any of the sort of creative problems that a lot of times come up. Yeah. Um, you know, but that's, you know, like the first time we talked, Robin. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. That's right. <laughs> you know, this it happens in films, but in a different way. It's sometimes in a more relaxed manner. Like this happens, you know, like you know, working on the Clone Wars, you know, with uh, mm -hmm. Dave Filoni, and uh, all of a sudden you're doing a scene, and then they hear the lines out loud by the actors, and they're like, eh, "This isn't working," or "Would somebody really say this?" or "Would a Jedi actually mm -hmm. phrase it this way?" It's like when we did Star Wars Rebels, the uh, scene with Maul and um, old Ben Kenobi. Mm -hmm. I went back in and. I'd had, I think, either two or three pickup sessions after the original recording session because they kept changing their mind about Dave was like, because, you know, Dave wrote that episode. Right. Want to change a word here? Want maybe change this sentence here? Um, so it's all part of the creative process. It's just that when in advertising, I think they're just more under the gun. So, mm. you know, there's a lot more sweat being created in those situations. Yeah, there seems Definitely. to be... Yeah, for sure. And, it, and it's one of those things too, James, I think you and I have talked about this on a consistent basis. And it's so great hearing it from somebody who works directly in it, because from that advertising side, like, like Steven said, it's like you have a time slot to work within and they try to get as many cuts as they can within that time slot, and then work from what they have. I feel like from talking with you, Steven, and talking with a bunch of other people, that those experiences when you walk into, let's say, working with Dave Filoni in Star Wars Rebels or The Clone Wars is that there's already that interpersonal relationship that exists. You already you already know this person. You already know probably where they're going to come from on it. And I'm sure for you, Steven, that's created a much, I'm, I'm not necessarily going to say an easier time in the studio because it, it always is throwing different things at you. But I'm sure for you, it's kind of like, it's like old home week. You walk in and you're like, okay, I'm coming in to do what I do best. Well, it is now, but in the beginning, of course, none of that's there. I mean, right, right. First, first time you go in on any job, um, especially if it's a one-shot guest shot, usually maybe you don't know anybody in the room. You may not sure. know, they may not have worked with any of the actors. Uh, you may not know the director. That was certainly the case with uh, Clone Wars. I had never worked with Dave Filoni before. He'd never right. worked with me, so... You know, everybody does their best to do what they're there for best. You know, I'm there right. to, like, help them tell the story. So in in that in those cases, you know, uh, I didn't know anything about Mandalorians. or mm. That was the first episode I did was The Duchess of Mandalore. Oh, that's right. I'm, and, you know, Dave, and it was part of an arc. So Dave comes in and does his thing where he's explaining everything, you know, to the cast. And I'm like, I don't know what any of this stuff. Who's Duchess of Mandalore? Right. And like I knew, I knew Star Wars, but I was like, was this? You know, I thought, had is there a comic or an expanded universe novel that it, it takes sure. into consideration? But that's no, what just a very angry guy in a helmet. And yeah, but that's what Dave is really good at. Is like he already knows that a lot of people that come to work on the show don't know anything about Star Wars, and that's mm. that's the case. Some people have seen the the first movies, and that was it. And beyond that, they don't know anything of the lore. 
So he has to make sure that everybody understands the relationship of the characters that are there. He wants to give people a better idea of like, here's what's at play. Here's what's at stake in this particular episode. And, you know, Masa Meda, which is the character that I had played, was playing, right. you know, had more dialogue in that one episode than he did in <laughs> both of the prequels that he That's was true. in. So, you know, there was a lot going on that needed to be explained and explored just in that first episode that I did. So, wow. yeah, he's really good at that. And then, of course, the more you work with somebody, the the better you get at understanding, you know, how they work and the kinds of things that they're maybe expecting from you, you know, as a director. So you can right. kind of, like you said, tune in and try, you get there quicker. Sure. Sure. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, the other fascinating thing about it too, and, and James, I'm going to throw it over to you on this one too, and build a conversation around it is more specifically around the idea of just, just the experience of being in the studio. I've, I've had it, musically a couple times going in whether it's strumming a guitar whether it's banging the bongos whatever it is doing things like that but i imagine as a voice actor going into a studio having that microphone in front of you it must be a fascinating experience every time you do it it's almost like there's a rush to it am i wrong in saying that or are you asking me or james oh either one of you oh. just feed off of that yeah i'll, I'll let james go I mean, well, Robbie, well, okay, so, Steve, have, have you been told about how Robin and I first met each other? I don't think so. Uh -uh. I used to sell coffee to Robin at Dunkin' Donuts. <laughs> and um, <laughs> I, had a, I, had a, I had a spiel on the drive-thru of, uh, good morning and thank you for choosing Dunkin' Donuts. What can I do to make your day less terrible? And um, for some reason, everybody loved it. So things kind of spiraled from there. And prior to that, I'd been doing all sorts of, uh, so I, I've been doing music. I, I've been singing since I was young. Uh, um, but I'd never really gotten into the whole voice acting thing and never really considered it. So Robin was kind of my bridge into that world. And yeah, every time I sit down and I want to record something, whether it's musically, vocally, there's, there's kind of a little bit of a rush behind it. And I'm, I kind of want to know if that ever goes away. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it doesn't go for go away for me. I mean, I love being in front of the microphone. It's like all of a sudden your energy levels go up. You know, you get that sort of creative tension and uh, you don't know what's going to come out. And, um, you know, it's uh, it's wonderful. It's I don't think it's like I said, it's never gone away for me. I hope it never does. Yeah, that's, well, that's, that's, uh, the not not knowing what's going to come out is Robin actually had to specifically tell me not to curse during this whole thing. <laughs> Things of that nature. <laughs> yeah, James has the tendency to uh, to uh, drop a movie <sighs> once in a while. I, I, I spent four months in Iraq and 13 months in Afghanistan. <laughs> <laughs> good point. That's a really good point, too. So you learned to swear professionally then. Uh, I did learn to swear professionally um, over uh, about four languages. Um, English, uh, obviously, I grew up with. My grandmother likes to curse at me in German. And then um, uh, Farsi and uh, and Pashto and a little bit of Urdu, I got uh, I got pretty pretty proficient at cursing. And not much else beyond uh, Assalamualaikum. Oh. <laughs> well, wow. That's a pretty well-rounded uh, education. I wouldn't say well-rounded education. I'd say well-rounded swearing vocabulary. People say curse like a sailor. It's like, well, you've never heard curse like an Afghani because those guys have got some interesting ones. 
<laughs> and you know that's the one that's the one thing we don't have a lot of in uh, Star Wars is uh, is is swearing. There have yeah. been some times when we're doing, I think uh, maybe some of the games or or I can't remember the projects now, and they'll say like you know say something in frustration, like well what are the good Star Wars like you know fake swear words you know. <laughs> right, yeah. Oh, that's poodoo. And then now yeah. they Zeb, he had had uh, Zeb. Slimo. Yeah, he has his from, from uh, Star Wars Rebels. So they're getting more, but... Um, right. Yeah, there's got to be the... There's got to be the clean ones like, you know, gosh darn heck and <laughs> and the really bad ones that you can't say on, on uh, Holovision, you know. Right. I, I, I want to I know what those really bad Star Wars curse words are. I just want them to put out a book about it. <laughs> well... <laughs> You never know. That may be may somebody may be working on that now. I mean, the best the best that we got now is is Seth MacFarlane as as Darth Stewie with I seethed my pants. I made a Darth duty. That's about all he's got. <laughs> well, between those between that and Robot Chicken, they've done their fair share of. Uh, Boy, mm. uh, <laughs> I forgot mm. about Robot Chicken's ones. Oh, the Robot Chicken ones, absolutely. I've never been a big fan of Robot Chicken. Yeah. 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 It doesn't it holds, my attention for, holds my attention for an episode, and then I go away. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, that is that is absolutely wonderful. So, Steve and Sam, before we wrap up this episode here, I just got to ask you, what's been good with everything that you've been working on? Again, like I said before, see on social media, you have been a busy, busy man, huh? Yeah, well, before we get into that, I wanted to ask, yeah. is this an anniversary episode for you guys? Yes, yes. Uh, we are looking... Yeah, it's uh, it's actually our third year anniversary. This is we've had three years of the podcast network, and we've broke our two hundredth episode here at the podcast. Well, happy. When is that? Yeah, already we've we've broken through. There you go. Oh, cool. Keep me informed. <laughs> In honor of your anniversary, are you guys uh, headed to celebration this year? Actually. We will not be at Star Wars Celebration in Chicago this year. Um, we're actually going to be partaking in a wonderful event in Lancaster, Pennsylvania to help the homeless with Rebel Cause Lancaster. Um, so we're going to be raising money to help them out. And uh, it'll be a great event. We're going to be doing a bunch of Star Wars themed things, giveaways, everything else to uh, help support the uh, Lancaster homeless and the Water Street mission there. So we're going to be partaking in a separate event on the weekend of Star Wars celebrations. So doing our little part and alongside Rebel Cause, of course, in Lancaster. That sounds absolutely awesome. I wish you guys the best of luck with that. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be a wonderful, wonderful time. And uh, I know Stephen, with your busy schedule, you won't be able to attend uh, Star Wars Celebration this year. You have been very, very busy. Yeah, this uh, no, there's absolutely no way with my uh, schedule in April that I can make it. But um, yeah, I, it, it looks like it's gonna be a good one. There's a lot, a lot of my friends are gonna be there, so I think yes. I have a great time. But, yeah, uh, you know, we're busy still working on uh, season two of Resistance. Um, I've got a new series that is really keeping me busy right now that I can't talk about yet. Mm. You have a title? Stuff that I was, like the other day I, I mentioned I was working on um, a, uh, a project that was a crossover between two fandoms. I think people mm. flip out when they see it. It was so much fun to do. Um, but yeah, there's a, there's a lot going on. And, um, and in the meantime, I'm trying to sharpen my skills uh, playing Disney Infinity 3.0 since I finally managed to... Uh, wrangle a, a copy of that so I've been 
trying out all the different figures and seeing what they can do. And still looking for Mieber Gascon in that one. Uh, oh, that's the one. Mieber Gascon, man. Gotta I have no idea what you're talking about now. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of people don't know who, who Mieber Gascon is. A lot of people wish they could forget him, too. But uh, oh, I, it, was, it was more the... Disney Infinity, what? It's the Disney Infinity 3.0. It's the, it's the, it was the last iteration of the Infinity series they did before they closed it down. And what I did find out recently, I'm a little behind when it comes to gaming. I saw where they had done sculpts for some of the uh, characters for Rogue One. That was going to be their, I guess, their last uh, game that they were going to do. Wow. But, but it got canceled. But I would have loved to have seen the Rogue One plague set, a uh, play set come out. That would have been. Plague set. Yeah, the plague set. They're fight, <laughs> fighting diseases across the galaxy. Hail the great god Nurgle, Lord of Decay. Anyway. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I mean, that would have been cool to see a Rattus one for sure. Hey, you know, I, I had no idea. I don't know what um, um, what figures they have planned. If any of your listeners know, it'd be, it'd be really cool. I've seen three. I've seen the Jin Urso, and mm. I think there was one for Baze and uh, for K2SO. But... But yeah, those are the only three that I've seen. But it look, they look fantastic. Yeah, yeah, those are those are really great figures. I know people who just collect those. <laughs> they have their fair share of black series, and they have those as well, part of the sculpts are so great. The sculpts are wonderful. I mean, I, I you know, I, when I first opened the package and started looking them over, they're kind of a soft vinyl, and mm -hmm. they're really, really nicely done. And considering that they have a number of artists working on all the different uh, sculpts, they yeah. all fit together really really nicely they all look like you know there's a there's a style that runs through the entire series that just uh it's really great they're a lot of fun yeah no absolutely so many so many different aspects of video gaming and the voice acting world and whatever else that consumes our interest and whatever else is so so awesome but unfortunately we have come to that time of the show and hey guess what it's been an awesome time talking of course with my friend mr james brown and of course the great stephen stanton himself but it's a little thing we like to call james you know like time that's right it's called plug time here at the brick city blockade james where can the good people find you across social media well, that horribly boring Twitter and Instagram that I always talk about are actually going away because I don't know how to use them and I have Aww. zero point using them. So Aww. don't bother looking for me there, but you can find me on Facebook at voiceoveracting1212, also under James Brown at the Brick City Blockade Podcast Network website, found at www.brickcityblockade.com. Beautiful. Mr. Steven Sam, where can the good people find you across social media? Let's see, on Twitter, at Stephen underscore Stanton. Um, on Facebook, of course, I have, there's a, a uh, uh, what is it, a fan page, community mm, page. Yeah. Uh, and then there's Instagram, I think it's Stephen Stanton 1. I, Instagram just tends to be more fun, putting up pictures and things like that. But, uh, yeah, I'm in all the usual places. YouTube, got them all, you know. <laughs> Google Plus. <laughs> Google Plus. Oh, Absolutely. Yes. Oh, I forgot to mention. I have also have the uh, the newer website that we launched, uh, oh. St Stanton Online, which is where we do the uh, the autographs for charity. So if yes. you're in, since I can't go to celebration, if people are interested in getting a signed picture, uh, any of the projects <clears throat> I've done, you know, from Clone Wars right up to Resistance, we got some new pictures up there. It's Stephen Stanton Online. 
Absolutely. Yeah. Go check it out. Get yourself some awesome, awesome swag. Hey, you guys can follow me over on Twitter at Mr. Vote Tweets. Check out the Brick City Blockade at Brick City SWPC. Also, follow all my tomfoolery. Sometimes I put up turtle videos. Sometimes I put up random pictures of me at Ice Castles over on Instagram at the official vote. Hey, www.brickcityblockade.com for everything happening in that galaxy far, far away and things happening at the podcast network. Also, hey, Patreon to support the network, T Public to rock the network, and our Galaxy of Joy program with Starlight Children's Foundation, bringing smiles to kids' faces every cent at a time. We have a $4,000 goal here for the end of this year. We raised a lot of money in 2018, so we are so looking forward to continuing our relationship with Starlight Children's Foundation, somebody that Stephen, of course, works directly with as well and has been absolutely awesome. Yeah, they're... they're 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 great we love working with those guys and uh, hope to continue to do so in the future here absolutely and hey guess what steven sand thank you so much for coming on the blockade again my friend it is always wonderful to chat with you it was great talking to you guys you all take care now absolutely you, you as well sir as we always say here at the podcast network it's a trap <laughs> always wasn't so bad. If you must listen to a podcast, it may as well be Brick City Blockade. May the force be with you always.